0: God is beyond good. Praise the Lord forevermore. Hallelujah. Before you sit down, we have to do the new greeting, and that's just look at your neighbor and just wave in front of you, behind you, next to you, and make sure they can almost see a smile through your mask right now. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I just can't come up with enough words to be able to describe how thrilled I am to see you. We haven't seen you in a long time other than in photos and other things. And in the memory bank that we have of how you look. Some of you look a little different. Amen. We'll leave it there. But, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord today and seeing you. Uh, I can just stay here for a few moments and just glance over this audience and just so welcome you back. I owe you a hug. I promise I'm good with my words. So once all this is over... Uh, You'll get the hug, and I'll get the hug as well, but God is so good to allow us to gather here today. So much has happened over the last three plus months, over 100 plus days, that our life has been turned upside down. You've had to be a prisoner in your home. You've had to make the refrigerator your best friend. (laughs) You haven't been able to do what you're used to doing, going out and... Whatever therapies you have, shopping and walking through the park around the reservoir, whatever it is, our life has been really drastically, really turned upside down. You know, you thought, they always told you you couldn't work from home, and here you are, three months, you've been working from home. (laughs) Amen? Those of you that are working. Um, In all my life, uh, of my walk in faith, Uh, I have never, ever passed through the journey where we've had to close this building down, ever. And um, this is the second Sunday that we're gathering. And this building, praise the Lord, yes, thank God for that. But really, this building became just like every other brick-and-mortar building because the church, you, is what makes this building alive. And you not being here made it so much different. That's why it's, it's so wonderful to sense what we sense and feel what we feel. Uh, because in your arrival here again, this place is now becoming once again a temple for the Lord. And uh, the glory that was walking with you has now returned also. And join the others that were here because the, the team had been here transmitting the services through, uh, through the internet as we've been doing. And by the way, we will continue doing as well. But things have changed. Things are different. Your perspective has to be different. In fact, today as I'm standing over there worshiping, I even saw some of you worshiping different than three months ago. Uh, some of you walked right to the line of death, and God snatched you and brought you back. So you got to worship differently. Come on, praise the Lord if you can. Some of you have seen death right in front of you and sickness right in front of you, and God through his grace has brought you. So we're different. We're different. We're different. We're different. Come on, say it with me. We're different. We're different. We're different. We're different. And I'm going to submit to you the following, that based on what the Lord has been saying to our ministry, to me, and to you and your family, and, and our church as far as a representative of the gospel, an agency for the gospel in this community, city, state, and nation, we have to really take this moment in and start discerning how God wants us to move forward. If we are different, then our perspective needs to be changed. If we are different, then really God probably, has probably set us up to take a new path or maybe to sharpen the path that we were on. How many people at one time in your life were born? Some of the people don't know. How many people at one time were born? Right? You don't remember, but the clothes you were wearing back then are certainly not the clothes you were I hope not. Right? You may have photos of them. You change. You dress different, carry yourselves different. This storm has caused us to relook at how we look at the future. This storm, which, we're, by the way, we're still in. This COVID- coronavirus has shaken us to the core But I want to back up because I want to remind you that the Lord spoke clearly to us at the end of last year. And I believe in prophecy. I believe the Lord speaks to us through prophecy. And I believe that the Lord is still active in speaking. Sometimes he speaks directly to a passage of scripture. The Lord speaks to us through nature. The Lord speaks to us through dreams. The Lord speaks to us through someone that rises up and said something that was not coincidental that kind of rings true in our heart. But the Lord spoke publicly to this church about moving forward and what lays ahead as far as something greater, something we were not expecting, something we were not praying for was going to happen. The best is yet to come. And I want to submit to you that in order for us to get there, we need to start making some changes now. That's why I titled the sermon for today, which is a strategic prophetic sermon, Some Things Need to Die. Some things need to die. You can't walk into our destiny as a church and your destiny as a family member, as a family unit, as an individual, lugging the baggage that you had before. I know many of you haven't been able to travel in a long time, flying an airplane, but if you take too many bags in the airport, they tell you you can't take that one. You, need to, you, you, you learn now what the, the, the word consolidate means. Because you have to even leave some stuff or put it all in one bag in order for you to carry it in, and there's some baggage and things that we're carrying as individuals, as family units, as a church, that will serve us no purpose into the future. What God has in store for us is really going to is rattling our cage, and it's causing us to reassess where I am right now. Just the same way, this country and this world is going through tremendous... Who would have thought that we're trying to dismantle things that we thought in, in government that were sacred? Who would have thought that we would have been considering the things that we're considering today? Because this virus, which is... We can't see it with the naked eye. All of a sudden has turned our world upside down. And church, here's where I'm coming from. We as a church need to be ready. Because whatever God promised to us prophetically over this house will come to pass but I need to expand my capacity and guide you to expanding yours so when the blessing begins to manifest itself, we're ready. But in order for that to happen, some things need to die. Some things need need to be thrown out of our lives. And I'm using as a biblical passage today the story of, of Paul, the Apostle Paul. It's interesting because in the book of Acts, which by the way, of all the books in the Bible, 66 books in the Bible, the one that aligns itself more to us or rather the one the agency that aligns itself more, let's do it the other way around, to scripture and the book in Scripture is really for this church is the book of Acts because the book of Acts is about the primitive church. It's about the first century church. It's about the emerging of the church becoming emerging as a church as an agency and how the gifts were poured on through the workings of the holy spirit so the name primitive and when this church was founded is really pointing to the uh the book of acts so the apostle paul and i won't get into his story i'll pick it up right at the end which is chapter 27 it's the end of the book and really some scholars say that the book of acts is it hasn't been completed there is no the end in the book of acts it is continually being continuously being written and carried out by the church but chapter 27 is just a, a chapter away from the end of the book and we find something fascinating in that chapter and i i'm going to extract certain things that i think are important because this could easily be a series of few weeks but i only have a few minutes to share with you what what i think is important for this turning point for your life for your family and for this church the apostle paul needed to go to rome he was teaching, planting churches, developing leaders, establishing organizations, religious organizations, throughout the whole uh, Mediterranean region where he found themselves. The Lord called him on the road to the road to Damascus, knocked him off the horse, gave him a specific call, changed his name from Saul to Paul, and now he becomes this emissary of the gospel of the of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he becomes a figure to bring a light into darkness, and because of his position, not only educationally, because he was a Ph.D. of Ph.D.'s, but also because of his his economic position. Don't 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 be mistaken. Paul was not a poor person. He was significantly provided for. That's why most of the writings of the New Testament uh, that appear are from the Apostle Paul, because the only way you could get published is if you had money and you had connections. And the Apostle Paul was able to publish all of these letters and all the... There's more quotes in the New Testament of Paul than anybody else. So he was in a good place economically, but God calls whoever he wants to. He knocks off the horse whomever he wants to. Don't pray for God to knock anybody off the horse. Let God do it. But God, it doesn't matter. Some people that say that I'm the chosen, that I'm the one or whatever. God has a way of dealing with those characters and personalities. Is a and Amen now? And so Paul had to go to Rome because that was the center of commerce, the center of culture, the center of philosophy. That was the center, Rome. He needed to go there. And God had planned for him to go there. But he, look, at, look at how God, God takes him there. You ready for this one? When you start reading the chapter 27, he goes to Rome as a prisoner. Think about it. God wanted him there, but the only way that he got plan to get him there and there was a purpose was that he needed to go there as a prisoner now you think a prisoner you're bound you can't speak you can't move you're confined somebody is telling you when to get up when to go to sleep when to eat when to when to when to when to when to you don't have the freedom to be able to move as paul was used to moving but you know even when somebody has you bound you can still be free in god even though a society and culture may call you one thing and devalue your worth as a human being you are only bound if you let people bind you but you are free in the lord jesus christ and god has a plan over your life over your family and over this church I'm not concerned about people pointing to this ministry and say, what is this church doing there in this community? Especially now with the affluence and gentrification. And forget rich people. There's very, very rich people that are moving into this area. What are you doing there? That's your problem trying to figure it out. I know that our boat landed here and God placed us here for a purpose. And we're going to fulfill that purpose in God. Come on, you can praise him for a moment. So we sometimes give people so much power to define us. And when people define you, they own you, and they then determine your destiny. Hallelujah. And so Paul ends up going to uh, becoming a prisoner and going to Rome as a prisoner. That's how he landed over there. The way that he got there, he couldn't take the F train or Uber or what's the other one? The, the little motor electric bikes? Could, no, no. The only way that he can get there was to navigate. It was right by the Mediterranean. He needed to cross the Adriatic Sea, and he needed to get over there to the northern uh, eastern part of the Mediterranean on that side in order to be able to end up landing in Rome. So the only way he could take the railroad, because Amtrak didn't exist back then, he needed to take a boat. And it was a large boat, because if you read in chapter 27, there were over 260 sailors, and not only sailors, people on that boat. So it was a large boat. And he was then put on that boat, which stopped somewhere, and then it ended up, he ended up being transferred over to an Egyptian boat in order to complete the journey. But God had a plan before Paul got on the first boat on his way to Rome. He was imprisoned in a boat, and the way it happened back then, and you've seen this happen in so many movies, and actually partially the movies are right, the, the prisoners was, were kept under the galley, underneath the bottom of the boat, the belly of the boat, and they were always chained onto the boat. So if the boat crashed and whatever it perished, the last thing people would worry about is let's get those prisoners out of there. So it is not unusual to find boats uh, of, of, of a time ago uh, that are under the sea and there's, there's skeletons or the remains of human beings that might be, still be there chained uh, to the boat down there. That's where Paul was. It was not a pretty picture. But God doesn't have to have a pretty picture to place you in your destiny. You don't have to have all of your ducks lined up and be perfect. We, we, we hear this often. I, I need to get my life together in order for me to do God's will. No, no, no. God loves you with the mess that you have right now. And he has plans with the socially unaccepted behavior that you're involved in right now. He has plans to clean you up. Maybe it'll be in prison. Maybe it'll be in a storm. Maybe it'll be navigating through the trials and tribulations of life. But God has a plan for you and your family. And this church. So Paul is now in that boat. They start navigating through and his... uh, his reputation preceded himself because it turns out that one of the centurions, one of the guards that were there, uh, kind of felt in favor with Paul. And in fact, in one of the stops that they made, this guy arranged so that Paul could be set free just for them. Imagine sending a prisoner free. Set him free for a few moments so that he can go and hang out with his guys and go have coffee at Starbucks. Knowing that he will come back. Your reputation matters, by the way. I want to tell you right now, again, your reputation matters. Matter sometimes doors open up for you simply because people heard about you, and I don't want to tout our own horn, but simply because you worship here can pave things for you as well. Simply because of the family you come from can pave the way for you to get so Paul. Uh, All of a sudden, his reputation preceded himself, so the centurion took favor to him and allowed him to accommodate him to such a degree that even when he spoke, the guards and the centurions and the people there heard. In fact, at one point in chapter 27, it tells a story that uh, that Paul got... they, They got into a storm, by the way, a big, gigantic storm, and Paul gathered them together to eat, and after they finished eating, then he went and started speaking, giving wisdom and advice to those that were there, and they were listening to him. So the problem confinement, lack of liberty does not limit God using you in the area of your anointing. Your last name does not limit you. The color of your skin does not limit you. You limit yourself. But God's plan and purpose will be fulfilled. So they get on the ship and on the way to this boat, it turns out that they're navigating at the wrong time of the year. You know, there's certain times of the year where you can travel. For example, if you cruise, when things get back to normal... Well, they'll never get back to normal, but when things get, when things improve and you go back to cruising, every cruiser with any level of experience knows that at certain times of the year you don't cruise because especially if you're going to the Caribbean, there's going to be some hurricanes and storms, so you don't want to do that during hurricane season. Only somebody crazy would go on. Well, maybe not, because maybe you've done and made the mistake. We have certainly, but you, you, you don't go cruising during hurricane season. Because you, you may be on a cruise and you'll take wonderful picture. That one picture will get to everybody, but you won't take pictures of everybody when you turn green and you start puking everything that you ate before. So they were cruising at the wrong time. They were cruising during storm season. But some people are so determined to get there That it doesn't matter who tells them don't go there, they still go there even though they know that on the way they're going to get hurt. Think back when you were growing up and mama, papa, sister, brother, elder, pastor told you you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't hang out with this person. You should be careful. And you say, no, I'm going to do it because that's the way you were. And then you go and sure enough what they told you was going to happen happened exactly. You know, when somebody older than you tells you, I don't know about her or him. there's some, Listen to that. So they got on the ship at the wrong time, navigated it, and sure enough, A storm came in, and then everyone was in danger. That's where we pick up the story now. Because I want to just share four things from this story that applies to us and to this theme called, Some, time, some Things Need to Die. When they were on the boat, if you pick it up with me on verse 10 of chapter 27, just two verses for this point, verse 10 and 11. It says, So Paul warned them. Men, I see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship, the cargo, and to our own lives. In other words, he's telling them, listen, guys, I, th- this is going to be a problem. We're all going to be destroyed. I, I, I see where this is going. But what happens, sure enough, the centurion instead decided not to listen to Paul's wisdom and follow the advice of the professionals. The pilot and the owner. My first observation is this. You need to, in order to move forward to God's plan over your life, your family, and this church, you need to stop listening to people that have been giving you wrong advice. Oftentimes we don't listen to wisdom because sometimes wisdom is hard to deal with and hard to apply. And we end up listening to the advice of people that are really trying to live vicariously through your life. They're trying to live through you. You know, when, when you, you can't go to a mom and says, you know, your son, your daughter is crazy. You know what I would do if I was you? you? You need to shut them off immediately. Shut them off. They didn't carry that child nine months. They didn't deal with the difficulties. And oftentimes we'll listen to the wrong advice. Yeah, he's like that, but she's like that, but there's something good about them. Listen to the wiggle in your belly because in that wiggle, God is speaking to you. And oftentimes, we fall flat on our faces because we listen to the wrong. In fact, if it, even toxic advice, we know we should not do that, but yet we do it. But you know what happens? Toxic advice ends up making you being toxic. And no one will be around you simply because we're listening to the wrong advice. Professionals sometimes get it wrong. We're living in a time of Lies everywhere. Lies everywhere. Some, and, you know, yesterday's one one day in, in an example of my, the way my days have been going. Did not listen to the news. Why? I don't know who to believe. Up is down. Down is up. Right is left. Left is right. I did not say that, although I have a tape showing that you did say that yesterday. We're living in a time when it's crazy. Maimonides says, bury me upside down because in the future things are going to be so crazy that if you bury me upside down, in the future I'll be right side up. Doesn't it seem like we're living in that kind of time right now? Doesn't it seem like the the advice that we're getting is leading us to places that we never thought we would be? You need to be careful. There's a saying that we have in Spanish that's not in the Bible, but maybe it should be in the Bible. It says, tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. We need to be careful. Stop listening to people. I'm not saying ignore them completely, but I'm saying you don't have to entertain conversations with them. Stop those battles on Facebook. Nothing gets resolved on Facebook. Nothing. In fact, you degrade yourself when you engage in back and forth with people on social media. You really do. You really, really do. And oftentimes we want to battle through the internet because we're afraid to face somebody and tell them, I disagree with you. We need to be careful. We need to stop hanging around and letting people speak into our lives and determine our future. Get advice. Get advice. But make sure you get wise advice as you move forward. It's time to examine and develop healthy relationships, church. You can't listen to everybody. You can't allow everyone to speak into your heart with regard to your future. This church, we cannot. I have a lot of pastor friends. I know a lot of people in in many, many places right? But at the end of the day, I've got to separate my schedule and my time. And now everybody's got time. You can't say you don't have time. You're watching too much TV and making too many runs to the, to, the, to the refrigerator. You know it's true. We need to be able to back away. Now you've got time. Oh, I don't have, you have time. We've got to carve the time out and start seeking the Lord in our lives. Lord, what, what do you want with me? What, what am I supposed to carry through? In this church, I can hear advice and read advice and th- see things going around. But just because they jump doesn't mean I have to jump. I need to find out what God wants. Stop listening to the people with wrong advice. They may be well-intended, but they don't know the call of God of your life. They don't know the wooing of the Holy Spirit in you. They don't know the journey that you've been through and been and, and going through. Only God knows that, and you need to surround yourself with people. And by the way, when we're talking about good advice, sometimes good advice is not what makes you feel good. Sometimes we have to be made uncomfortable in order to change. I I really mean that. If you go to this, most people drop out of therapy right away. They'll go to three sessions, and then uh, uh, studies show that people, after less than a half a dozen of times in counseling, they stop. Why? Because they say, I don't like them. They told me something I don't like. Listen, if you want to grow, people are going to tell you things you don't like. You Think back. I think back to my parents my, when they were alive. The advice and counsel. Some of the things I didn't want to hear. But at the end, if I would have applied, which I did most of it, but not all of it, I would have been better off in the sense of more balance and things. And I'm talking uh, uh, in third person. You would have been third, better off as you journeyed through and listened to wise counsel. Why, I, I don't like what my doctor says. I have to go get another blood test. But I do it. I don't like when my, my doctor says you have to watch your diet because you know your levels are going crazy. But you do it. Good advice is advice that helps you mature. It helps you move forward. Can you say amen or clap your hands or say something or wave at me, that'll help too. <laughs> Second observation on this text. Paul's on the ship moving forward. He's giving advice. Nobody's taking it. They're doing what they want to do. We need to get rid of the weight that weighs us down. Look at verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. In other words, church, we need to get rid of unnecessary baggage. This stuff, our attitude has gotten us into trouble. It has. The way we speak and the way we talk to people has gotten us into trouble. We need to recalibrate our attitude and our temperament. There's things that we can change. And we cannot continue going the same way. In the story, what happened is the ship was going to sink, so they started throwing out things. And by the way, listen to this during these three plus months that you've been away, haven't you cleaned out your closet and you say, What is that doing here? Don't say, Not me, because I'll go to your house and we'll find some stuff. Isn't it true? Who brought this here? Who bought this? I mean, it's so outdated and so no good that you can't even give it to the Salvation Army. Even the garbage guy doesn't want to take it. Yes? Yes? There's stuff in our lives that has been bringing us down. That attitude. Those moods. Unforgiveness. Holding a grudge. Wanting to get even. Trying to prove that you're right all the time. Should I keep going? I feel like darts are going right into people's hearts and minds. You know. You know there are things you need to throw out of your life. There are things you need to get rid of. Unnecessary baggage is going to sink you and sink your future. You're having relational problems. It is not always their fault. Own up to some of your stuff. Everyone here, everyone. We go through relationships. It can't be every, it can't be the church all the time. It must be you also. And we need to be honest and look and start getting rid of. And I'm, I'm submitting to you, some things are easy to get rid of, and other things require a lot of heavy lifting unnecessary baggage will kill will 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 sink you i want you to notice in these two verses 18 and 19 notice in the text in the it says in the text. notice that it took days to get rid of some things some things you can be delivered from overnight and then there are other things that take a lot of work and a lot of time to practice some people need to be practiced to need to practice to be nice I can't, this is the way I am. No, 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 no. You're just you're just telling me that you want to continue in your craziness. I've always been that way. That's your problem. That's why you have no friends. (laughs) I can't change. You can't. You can change. You look at yourself, calm down, take a cold shower, and start to change today. Because here's what's going to happen. If you don't, what God has in store for you, you will never get. Never get. Why? Because God is waiting for you to start working on your stuff. And let me, let me show you what the text tells me here on that point. It says not only that, but it says in verse 19 that they use their own hands to throw the stuff out. Sometimes we're waiting for the church to fix me. No, you got to fix yourself. Sometimes we're waiting, oh, I'm going to go here because that guy, that woman, they can really preach and that's what I need. No, what you need to do is apply what you've already heard God tell you. No, no, but I want deeper revelation. No, you can't even handle the superficial stuff. You don't need deeper stuff. No, I want to go to somebody that really, really knows their Greek and their Hebrew. Listen, we tell you in Spanish and in English and you still don't get it because you need to apply it to your. Come on, say hallelujah. Listen, we can't bathe you. You have to bathe yourself. We can't dress you. You have to dress yourself. And I think we need to get to a place. And I think this is the juncture right now. This is the tipping point. This is the intersection. This is the moment where you need to start making changes in your life. Do you continue with what you have or you start letting some things die in your life? You say, no, but this is the way I am. It's so valuable, so valuable that it has truncated your future up to now. You're going to continue carrying that? I knew that around this point, I even marked it down, there will be no amens at this point of the sermon. No, I didn't really write it down. Because when we're confronted with truth, church, and I just want you to get the fullness of what God wants for you. That's all I want. That's what I want for me, my wife, my family, this church. That's what I want. And for you, I don't want anyone left behind. But you need to get rid. They needed to use their own hands. It was a long process. It took look at the text. It took several days. But it, it also their own hands. Don't let other people try to fix you. Fix yourself. Make yourself attractive. Make yourself valuable. Make yourself a treasure. That starts by loving yourself. See yourself as somebody significant. You're not trash. You're not secondary, anything, regardless of your name and the color of your skin. I don't need anybody to paint anything on the street to tell me I'm worthy in the eyes of God. I know who I am in God. And I know who you are and what you can become in God as well. Oftentimes, we're letting, we're letting it on somebody else. And we're living in a time now with a lot of prejudice. But you know what? This racism stuff bounces all off me. I I work. I pray. And I really am concerned about what I'm seeing, this racism abroad. But that's your problem. That's not my problem. I know who I am. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm just saying you, make a, you analyze yourself in the sense of, Lord, I have value, intrinsic value. No one's going to take away that value from me. You are, you are made in God's likes, likeness and image. I don't need a preacher to tell me that. There's God inside all of you, all of you, value inside of all of you. But we've let society, culture, rules and regulations dictate and define us who we are. And through the years, you feel the weight coming on, the weight coming on, the weight coming on. And you start feeling cheapened because of what has happened in your journey. I'm telling you today, you need to break off those those shackles. You need to throw them overboard. In fact, they threw them in the sea. They didn't even know where they went when they ended up. And watch this. You ended up, you have to end up throwing off those shackles in the middle of the storm. Because we're waiting for things to get better so that then I could change. No, it is in the storm that you have to be transformed. It is in the storm that you need to shake off those things that have bothered you and that have decimated you and are sinking you right now. Praise God. Praise God. Are you with me still? Hallelujah. If I made you uncomfortable, praise the Lord. Deal with God. Come back next Sunday for round two. <laughs> Notice that it took days. It was their own hands. Only you can do it. God can do certain things, but you need to carry on and do it yourself. I need to pray. I need to seek the Lord. I can't go on the fumes of the last sermon or the last great thing that people say I did. Every day you got to go before the Lord. Every day. And I'm not talking about the, 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 the moments when you have to do fasting and all, all, all of those spiritual disciplines. But every day you need to connect with the source upstairs. Every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Get rid of the weight that is bearing down on you, that's going to sink you. In fact, in the story here, and please bear with me as I stay on this point for another moment. Paul has sat down to eat with them, right? All 260 plus men. And then what happens is after they ate, they took all of the stuff and they threw it overboard, even the grain. Now, we can throw away things that we don't need or give it away or re-gift it. But there's certain things you don't want to throw away because you need it for daily sustenance. But they were so desperate to survive that even the food they ate, look at the text later on when you get home. They threw it out. We have to get to a place that we realize that God is my healer, that God is Jehovah Shammah, who's with me today that what I need to do, yes, I'll do what I need to do, provide for my family and for myself, but at the beginning, at the end of the day, I don't need for a vaccine to show up. I know God's going to keep me healthy and strong if I keep doing the right thing. And by the way, let me put a pause on that for a moment. We need to thank God that we're generally, in this church, we're healthy. I know pastors and friends of mine that they have dozens and dozens of people that have passed on, but I want to remind you in January when we will move by the Holy Spirit to pray a covering over this church, and in this church, we've had people that have been sick, we have people that walked up to death that came back. But the, generally, we're, most of us are healthy. We're a little crazy, but we're healthy. We're a little bit off here, but we're crazy. Come on, you can praise the Lord right now. In fact, not just you, but your family, your home, your household. Hallelujah. We have eight pastors, nine with me in this house. Not one of us. Not one of us. We have deacons and ministers in this house. Not one of us. We have people in here that have gotten very sick and were hospitalized. But Daisy, God. But God. Betsy, God. Hallelujah. God. God. But yes, we're going to rely and do the right thing. But at the beginning of the day, God, we have to get to a place that even if I lose this, that, or the other thing, God will sustain us. I trust the Lord implicitly. With my life, I trust Him. With my family, I trust Him completely. Completely. I, I really do. I mean, maybe it's uh, some people say it's reckless. It's not reckless, because for the last several months, I'm so tired of washing my hands. Look at the wrinkles. Don't look too closely. but Tired of it. That mask drives me crazy. That's why I love preaching. That's why I'm going to be here for another three hours. No, no, a few more minutes. But you do what you have to do. You know, I miss hugging you and kissing you. I miss it. It took two months for me to kiss my granddaughters and and, and hug them. You know what that is for a crazy grandfather like me? Torture. But you got to do the right thing in order to stay well. But God will see you through. Let's not be foolish. Let's not be. And for those of you that were planning on moving somewhere else, where? (laughs) Tell me where. No, because it's better over there. Where? No, because of palm trees. Where? 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 Oh, no, because I'm sick and tired of this place. Right now, the safest place in this entire world. Come on, just do this, just do this. Right here, this state, you're going to go to Florida? Oh, really? The beach is that important. Palm trees are that important you got to do the right things. I'm not saying don't go there, here, or wherever it is. In fact, I don't want anybody to go anywhere. I want you to stay here. But I'm not saying don't, to to eliminate your your plans for the future. But you got to do the right things. But know that at the end of the day, God's going to care for you. Trust the anointing and the covering that we prayed over this house. And you or your children will be safe. Number three, verse 30 and 31. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending, pretending, a key word, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Verse 31 says, Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in with the ship, now remember the ship is going down, unless the, the men stay with the ship, you cannot save them, they will not be saved. You know what the teaching is here? Don't bail out before your time. You may have a good plan, and you have it all figured out. You Googled every angle of the plan that you have. It is perfect to perfection. It can't be more perfect because it's the right plan. I know how I'm going to get out. I know, I'm gonna, I know how I'm going to cut her loose, him loose. I know, I know, I know. I got it. You know what happens? That The soldiers, they were so desperate to get off a sinking ship, that they were looking outside and it was stormy and windy and waves and raining and all that. And they saw what looked like to be a beach. They say in the writing that it was the beach. But, you know, when storms are happening, I don't know if you saw yesterday. I was looking out of my window yesterday. I couldn't even see across the street because the clouds. So you sometimes see what you don't see. But anyway, in the story, it says in chapter 27 that they looked and they saw a beach and they said, oh, we got a plan. We could either die in the sinking ship or we can lower the boats and the ropes and then at the right moment we'll get on the boats and then we'll swim to the to the to the beach what is it with beaches <laughs> anyway their plan b came to light and paul says if they do that we can't save them i'm here to tell you and i believe this is prophetic don't bail out before your time make sure that god confirmed place and the timing. We sometimes get the, the place right and the place, well not right, we, we settle on the place because it looks good. And it has to be more than just looking good. My wife and I have had the privilege to travel in many places in this world, really. And we plan to continue doing that by the way. We'll send you pictures. <laughs> There's some places that are absolutely gorgeous, right? And you say, wow. It's like you can dream being there forever. Then after a few hours, you miss the bike lanes and you want to come back to New York City. We're crazy New Yorkers. Just because it looks beautiful doesn't mean it's for you. That job might not be for you. It could pay more money. Chill out. Make sure you got the right... Don't bail out. That other church, that other organization, that other husband who isn't yours yet, whatever, 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 whatever. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. I wrote it differently than when I said it. Just because it looks good doesn't mean anything. And you, you, you know, let me put my head down, they, they look real great and bathe and perfume and all that at the beginning. But you got to look at them not in Genesis, you got to look at them in Revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not saying no to you. Make your, You make your decision. I'm just saying, be careful. Get the timing right. That's all I'm saying. Paul told, Paul could have stopped them all right, but Paul said, wait a minute, this plan, the timing is wrong. They need, and it, this was crazy, because God is crazy. He's crazy just like we are. It's crazy. They were to stay in a sinking ship, because that's what Paul said. No, no, they got to stay here, because if they get out of here, which is sinking, they're going to, but I would have said, well, well if I go out, I'm going to die. If I stay here, I'm going to die. What? what but i rather stay where God is saying, even though it doesn't make sense. Is there an amen in the house? So I'm not saying break up anything or go ahead with anything. I'm just saying don't bail out before your time. The, the safe escape might not be God's route or route. The road that you've paid for yourself might not be it. I remember years ago, and some of you know my story, when we, there was a possibility of me moving. I was working in, in Wall Street, and there was a, a, an incredible offer. And they they sent me down to Dallas, Texas, and I went down there and they interviewed me and uh, and you know I'm not a slouchy interviewee, so they had a job there and everything was set up and I remember I flew down several times and I said I'm not gonna, they ended up finding a house so they took me to see it this is a beautiful house in a wonderful place where kids can go to school nearby in the district one of the best in in Dallas at that time this is 19, the mid 80s. And then they show me this beautiful brick house just being built. Yes, we'll help finance that and get that for you if you want that. I said, well, let me think about it, right? And it was looking beautiful, beautiful, beautiful out there. It was beautiful. Finally, one of the final trips, the person tells me that's interviewing me, because they, several, they're trying to get me. And I'm, you know, I was bilingual. I was the right person. I was, uh, and, you know, I'm not touting my own home, but successful in what I did. It was wonderful, a wonderful journey for me. And then the last, last thing, I remember I flew down there. I did, needed to teach a course down there in, in, uh, in, uh, for, for IBM. And I went down there. I did a three-day conference. And at the end, they tell me, well, tell us, you know, what is stopping you? I says, I don't know. You know, and I'm thinking church, and I'm thinking we're good in the city. And then they say, well, is it your wife? I said, no, 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 she's not. But, but no, no, I don't mean that. I mean, what does she do? And I told them what they did. They says, we'll give her a job too. That's what they said. So I said, <laughs> just because it looks good, just because they tick all the boxes, does not mean it's for you. Make sure you get the timing right. Because if you go before your time, I didn't go, by the way, as you know. Look, I'm here, right? I don't have a Texas drawl. It uh, didn't go. Although it looked mighty nice, mighty nice, it is better to follow God leading you even though you're in a storm, even though the winds are blowing. Stay in God's will. Stay in the storm and, and wait on God until he tells you to move, then move. Finally, stop listening to people with the wrong advice. Get rid of the way, the way uh, what weighs you down. Don't bail out before your time. And number four, verse 41. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. My final observation for us in this theme called Some Things Need to Die is actually all of that that I said before was introduction. This fourth, or rather this fourth point is some things need to die. You need to let go of some things. In fact, God is so serious about your future that he's going to do exactly what he did with this ship. It says that he broke it into pieces. You know what that means? When you start to lift intent, especially from letters of antiquity or writings of antiquity, when I was going through seminary, we need to discuss this. It is not just what's, implicit, what, what's explicitly expressed in the text, but also what's implicitly implied or what can be connoted, connotation from what is being written. So when you see a writing like this that says that it broke into pieces, what the message that is being projected to the keen eye is the following. Never to be put back together again. And I think sometimes we're trying to put the pieces of our brokenness back together again. And God is telling you, hold off, don't do that. Because what got you here is not going to get you there. The ship had its value when they were en route to Rome. But when God intervened and he started to teach them a lesson, the ship no longer was of any value. And so the ship needed to be destroyed because what got them there, the ship, was not going to get them there, the destiny and heritage and inheritance of God. What got you here to this church, however you came here, because your parents forced you, you had a big storm in your life and you thought that here you could be rescued and you were whatever reason brought you here you have to realize that God has a new plan I firmly believe that what is ahead for us as a church is greater than anything we've ever experienced I believe in finding good in the middle of bad situations and nothing can be worse than this coronavirus that's sweeping, still sweeping across our, our world but I believe there are lessons to be learned here. And this church has to re-examine everything from top down. Look at, look at what we're doing. Six feet apart, masks. Who would have thought of that? Having to check and get your name and make sure you're right and be prepared to supply information on, on contact tracing and all these things. Who would have thought of that? Because what God has here is not what's going to get us there. And God said at the end of last year, we're going there I'm going there you're going there we are going there let's stand up throughout the sanctuary Father I come before you Lord with a a humble and contrite heart I realize the magnitude of this moment this Sunday Father I don't take it lightly at all as I've shared your word Lord and the teachings from your word to your people Lord, let us be true and honest with ourselves. It isn't that you want to destroy our dreams. It isn't that you want to destroy our inspiration for tomorrow. That isn't it at all. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are things inside of us that have not been helpful and will not be necessary as we step into our future. I pray, Lord, that you speak into our lives and confirm in every heart those that are listening to us as well that an appointment here or an appointment there may or may not be what you have in store for us for tomorrow. Allow us, Lord, to listen intently to the wiggle in our heart, to the voice, the small voice in our hearts as to what we need to do. I pray for the men and women that are here, and the young people, those listening to us. Grant us insight, discernment as we plan to move forward. I want everyone to lift their hands, even those watching us. Lord, I pray right now as we lift up our hands, fill our cup. Fill us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Help us. It isn't about destroying our plans. It's to make sure that we have the capacity already to step forward into the promised future for us. Bless the men and women and and young people, children of our house. Help us, Lord, to heed to your word and say, yes, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen.